Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. New series, <laughs> Cold Turkey. Uh, wonderful graphic <laughs> of a frozen turkey. Very excited about this. If you know White's Chapel, we love a wordplay sermon series. So this is right up our alley. Uh, but the idea behind this series is, is pretty simple. There are a lot of things that, frankly, we just need to quit. There are a lot of things we just need to stop doing, especially as we head into this holiday season. We've got big family events coming. We've got packed schedules. We've got all of these things coming up. And so we need to stop and be reminded of the way that Scripture informs how we walk through these days well and also what pitfalls we might be wise to avoid. And so each week we're going to to talk about some things we need to quit cold turkey. Uh, Tonight, we're gonna quit complaining. Uh, I like that you're already laughing. (laughs) I think that's probably a good sign that this is a needed sermon. Um, But tonight we're gonna be reading from the book of Exodus. I know y'all are familiar with it at this point because we just spent five weeks in it. If you were here for our unexcused sermon series, we talked about Moses' call story from Exodus 3 and 4. Uh, Moses approaches approaches a burning bush, and God says, you're going to go and free the Israelites. And Moses says, no, I'm not. And God says, yes, you are. Trust me. And and, and so tonight we're going to be moving forward a little bit in Moses' story. So at this point in Moses' life, he has accepted his call, finally, (laughs) He has gone to Egypt, he has freed the Israelites, and they're on the run. And so at this point, the Israelites have left Egypt. They're fleeing from Pharaoh's army, uh, and they're running, and they come up against the Red Sea. And they're stopped in their tracks. And they look behind them, and they can see the Egyptians running after them, coming toward them off in the distance. And they have nowhere to go. And this is what happens. This is Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 15. It says, as Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. Okay, so if you're familiar with this story, you know that right after this passage, just a couple of verses later, Moses lifts his staff up and he parts the Red Sea. And the Israelites find safe passage through the waters and God works a miracle and he rescues them. But before all of that, in our scripture, the Israelites just complain. And you know what? This is the first thing we need to stop doing so much. The first thing that we need to quit cold turkey. We need to stop whining. The Israelites' first instinct 
when they come across trouble is to complain. They very literally tell him they would rather be slaves than to be where they were in that situation. I love that scripture too because they're even a little sassy with him. They say, oh, I'm sorry, were there not enough graves in Egypt? Did they run out of graves? Is that why you brought us out here? That is some snark. They've forgotten everything that God has done up to this point, all the good he's done, the miraculous works, and they whine. And at first we think, how could they? How could they be so fickle? How could they turn to complaining like that? But you know what? I think if we're honest with ourselves tonight, we are guilty of this too. I know for a fact, I'll be the first to confess, I know I am. Uh, Sometimes my first instinct is the same. I complain. I grumble. I whine. And you know what? I know I'm not alone. I found a study this week that said the average person complains 30 times a day. 30 times. That is 210 complaints a week. That's 900 complaints a month. That is 10,950 complaints a year. That's a lot of negativity that we put out into the world on a daily basis. I heard a comedian once uh, do a bit about complaining and about human beings' tendency to grumble. And, uh, and I've never forgotten that bit. It's always stuck with me, not only because I thought it was funny, uh, but probably because I found it disturbingly accurate to my own life. Uh, so I just want to read you a portion of what he says in his act about this. This is what he says. He says, we live in an amazing, amazing world, but it's wasted on spoiled people that don't care. This is what people are like now. They've got their phone and they go, ugh, it won't work fast enough. Give it a second. It's going to space. Will you give it a second to get back from space? Is the speed of light too slow for you? I was once on an airplane and there was high speed internet for the first time and I'm sitting on the plane and they say, you can open up your laptop. You can go on the internet. It's fast. It's amazing. And then the thing breaks down and they apologize. Sorry, the internet's not working. Well, the guy next to me says, oh, great, this is awful. Like how quickly the world owes him something he only knew existed 10 seconds ago. Or take people who come back from flights and they tell you their story and it's a horror story. They say it was the worst day of my life. First of all, we didn't board for 20 minutes. And then we got on the plane and they made us sit there on the one runway for 40 minutes. And I say, oh, really? And what happened next? Did you fly in the air incredibly like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight? Everybody on every plane should be constantly screaming, wow, I'm flying. I'm sitting in a chair in the sky. People say there are delays on flights. Delays, really? New York to California in five hours. That used to take 30 years to do, and a bunch of people would die on the way. You know, it's funny, but it's, it's also very true. I have 100% been the guy who described my flight experiences as if I was returning home to my family from war. Why are we like this? Why do we do this? Why is our instinct to complain so strong? Why do we tend toward the negative so quickly? Because you know what? We know that it's bad for us. I don't think I have to say that. We know it. 
We know it's bad for our spiritual health. We know it's bad for our mental health. You know what? We know it's even bad for our physical health. I read another study this week from the archives of general psychiatry that found that on average, optimists live longer lives than pessimists. Optimists were found to have a 55% lower risk of death across all categories uh, and 23% less likely to die of heart disease. Like that's how powerful complaining is. It can literally shorten our lives. That's why we need to quit it cold turkey because there are all kinds of negative effects. Just look back at our scripture. The Israelites, they've been freed from slavery, from bondage, generational bondage. And they're, they're running and God has done all these great things for us. And then they get to the Red Sea and they stop. And they stand there and they complain and they think that they're being funny with Moses and they're snarky to him. But they stop and they do nothing productive. And, and you know what? I think that's one, uh, one of the results that often happens when we complain. We get stuck. You know, it's not often that the person who's constantly complaining is also the person who's actively working toward a solution. You don't usually find a lot of crossover in that Venn diagram. Whining, it's not productive. It slows us down, it freezes us in place. There's a great story that uh, Pastor Max Lucado writes in one of his books called Facing Your Giants. Uh, He writes about a a time he was in a race. So let, let me share this with you. He said, I discovered the importance of healthy counsel in a half Ironman triathlon. After the one mile swim and the 50 mile bike ride, I didn't have much energy left for the 13 mile run. Neither did the fellow jogging next to me. I asked him how he was doing and I soon regretted posing that question. This is horrible, he said. This race is the dumbest decision I've ever made in my life. He had more complaints than a taxpayer at the IRS. My response to him, okay, goodbye. I knew that if I listened to him too long, I might start agreeing with him. Max Lucado's point is that if we sit in complaining, if he sat in complaining, if he started whining, it would stop him. He'd be facing the Red Sea, throwing his hands in the air going, okay, It would stop him from moving forward. It would make him halt. That's exactly, again, what happens in our scripture. The Israelites see an obstacle and they just start whining and complaining. They're sitting there just waiting for Pharaoh and his army to reach them. And what does God say? God says, get moving. He says, stop whining and start working. Let's reread the last verse from our scripture one more time. And then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. I love the way that some uh, of the other versions of the Bible translate that last sentence. The message says, order them to get moving. The NIV translation says, tell the Israelites to move on. Go forward, get moving, move on. How many of us need to hear that sometimes? When we get stuck in our constant cycles of complaining and grumbling and whining, how many of us need someone sometimes to just say, move on, go forward. This isn't productive. 
God's got work for us to do. There's ministry to do. Start working on something that's good. Look, I want to give a caveat here. Our God is absolutely a God we can lament to. I don't want to get that twisted at all. We have a God that listens and he cares about your problems big and small. He cares about the little frustrations you have throughout your day. He cares about the mountains that you have in front of you that you are fearful of. But he's also a God that calls us to action. Yes, it's all right for us to vent sometimes, but we can't stay there. We can't live there. Eventually, we have to start working. I stumbled across a a powerful example of, of someone who gets that this week. I saw an advertisement for a documentary that's coming out on HBO in a couple of weeks, and it's about David Holmes. Uh, David was the primary stuntman for Daniel Radcliffe in all of the Harry Potter movies. Well, David's life was forever changed in January of 2009. At that time, they were filming the second part of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, which is the last film of the saga. Well, in one of the final scenes, there are all the good guys facing the bad guys, Lord Voldemort, and they're in this final battle at Hogwarts. And at one point in the scene, Harry was supposed to be thrown through the air as a result of an explosion. So to recreate this effect, they attached a cable to David, and it was supposed to pull him backwards, simulating the shockwave launching him into the air. Well, unfortunately, a tragic accident occurred, and it caused the cable to propel him with too much force. Uh, He crashed into the wall, and the impact was strong enough to break his neck. And that injury left him permanently paralyzed from the waist down. Like I said, uh, there's a documentary coming out about him soon, and and I just want to show you all the advertisement that I saw this week for it because I thought it was pretty powerful. So let's watch. Being a stuntman is the best job in the world. You're constantly being tested, just risking it all. I used to fly. Nothing's like it, man. David went in for something for the sheer fun of it. He had no concepts of fear. I knew I was going to be a stuntman. Then I got the best job in the world. Lead stunt double for Daniel on the Potter films. Dave just seemed like a cool older brother. He would do the most dangerous physical stuff. We would do things none thought was possible. What was nice about it was that they all grew up together, 10 years on every film. But it was brilliant. Until it wasn't. I remember straight after breaking my neck, I said, there's no chance of coming back. Worst day in the film business that I've ever had. It is unfair. He shouldn't have had to do any of that. In my mind, Dave's indestructible. This terrible thing happened to Dave, but I don't want to talk as if his life is a tragedy. The way his life has affected the lives of people around him means that it is the furthest thing from that imaginable. Three, two, one. Before our accident, everything was about being cool and being a stuntman. Now it's about being present. I have so much love in my life. You got your mum. You know, I had lots of great friends and I'm so lucky. I've had such a crazy life. Such highs and such lows. But 
was able to find light in the darkest of places. So David could have complained. And you know what? I don't think any of us would blame him. He had plenty of justification to complain and grumble about his circumstances. No one would blame him for stopping in place, for being angry at the world, for getting stuck, for looking at the Red Sea and saying, I'm done. But as you saw at the end there, that's not the life that David Holmes has gone on to live. Since his accident, David has become a uh, an ambassador for the RNOH, which is the Royal Nas National Orthopedic Hospital. Uh, today, his full-time job, and one of them is that he spends his time raising money for people who've experienced similar injuries. Uh, every year, he hosts the David Holmes Cricket Cup, which has raised well over 100,000 uh, pounds. I don't know how much that is in American dollars, but it's a lot, probably. Uh, and he's raised approximately 50,000 pounds for spinal charities. Uh, he has a popular podcast with Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter. Uh, he has a production company that works with those who have disabilities. And as he says in that clip, he has lots and lots of love in his life. See, David made a choice. And he chose working over whining. The thing that he could have very easily spent his time complaining about, he now actively works toward helping with. David did exactly what God called the Israelites to do in our scripture. He went forward. And that is something we need to learn from. Because you know what? There are inevitably going to be things that happen to us in this life that are frustrating. We are going to have many, many opportunities to whine and complain. We're going to get stuck in traffic. We're going to have disagreements at work. Someone is going to bring up the election at your Thanksgiving table this year, even though you just wish they wouldn't. Somebody is going to be super late to the event that you put so much work into. Somebody is going to forget something that's going to cause you a problem. And we're going to want to indulge in one of, one of those 30 complaints a day. But you know what? If we do that, we'll be just like the Israelites in our scripture. We'll be stuck. We'll be doing nothing productive. We'll be staring at the Red Sea and throwing our hands up. So let's stop whining and let's start working. Because you know what, y'all? We are a unfathomably, supremely blessed people. There's no way around it. We have a God who, who loved us so much that he came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and he gave his life for us. He gave everything for us. We have a God who made a way for us to eternal life, a God who has invited us to paradise. We have a God who parts the Red Sea for us, a God who makes a way when there seems like there isn't one. That's our God. That's our Savior. That's our Redeemer. So at the end of the day, what really is there to complain about? Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me?
Lord, we confess, as we always do, that we are a people who grumble. We are a people who find it really easy to notice the bad. But God, tonight I pray that that you would help us to be a more positive, a more encouraging, a more hopeful people. And God, not in a way where we are overlooking the hardships of this life, but in a way where we know that you are bigger than every hardship of this life. Jesus, we want to be a people who get to work. We want to go where you call us. We want to do what you call us to do, whatever that looks like. And so our prayer again tonight is that we would be the solutions to problems. That when we are tempted to complain, when we are tempted to to whine about something, Lord, help us instead to get to work, to try and fix that thing, to try and make this a better world, to try and bring your kingdom here on earth. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.